Good morning, Orangewood. Wasn't that great worship, huh? I love these guys. Thank you so much for leading us into the presence of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, what a privilege to worship with you today and to fill in for Pastor Tyler Groff. I mean, you know, when you've got these little ones in the home, they bring all manners of disease home. And, uh, and it went right to his throat, and he called me yesterday morning and said, well, he texted me yesterday morning and said, could you fill in? And what an honor and a privilege it is to do that today. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into God's holy word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that we know who is the God of the universe because God the Son has come and revealed him perfectly. And so we thank you for your greatness, your power, and your mercy. We know that you are the giver of life and the restorer of life. And today we pray for our pastor and pray for healing, that you would bring him back to us soon. We thank you so much for his life and ministry. We thank you for this church. And now we pray for the one who teaches that you'd forgive him his sins and use one who is finite to communicate your infinite truth. For truly, we want to see Jesus today, for we pray in his holy name. Amen. Well, mothers, grandmothers, and spiritual mothers, happy Mother's Day. We appreciate you. We thank you so much for who you are and for what you've done. And uh, your ministry in, in our lives is, is crucial. My mom led me to Christ when I was eight years of age and has made all the difference. And of course, there's so many different types of moms here today and so many different, I mean, what would you say about your mom? Somebody sent me a list of those things that uh, have been said about their mothers. One man said, my mother taught me to appreciate a job well done. She said, if you're gonna kill each other, do it outside, I just finished cleaning. Uh, my mother taught me religion. You better pray that comes out of the carpet. Mothers, how many of you have ever said that? And, and if, yeah, I know, all right. One man from New Jersey wrote, my mother taught me about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. <laughs> my mother taught me about logic because I said so. That's why my mother taught me about more logic. If you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to the store with me. <clears throat> my mother taught, these are true. I think my mom said most of these. To, my mother taught me about irony. Keep crying. And I'll give you something to cry about. The science of osmosis, shut your mouth and eat your supper. Shut your mouth and eat your, my mother taught me about stamina. You'll sit there until all that spinach is gone. I love it. Moms, let's thank our moms and grandmoms and spiritual moms today. We love you for the hard work of parenting, the hard work of uh, staying in there when we didn't deserve it. Uh, and probably the greatest legacy that you will leave, moms, as well as dads, are the little people that become big people and make a difference in the world in which we live. Uh, Orangewood's friend and my friend David Outing uh, sent me uh, 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 an article recently that I shared with our guys this past week at Forge. Uh, there's a, an alarming statistic, 78% of uh, students 18 to 29 have left the church. And that's, that's an alarming statistic, isn't it? It's, it's very difficult to grasp. But the good news is that 25% uh, of the same age have stayed connected 
to the church of Jesus Christ. And there are five reasons why they do so. This is free. This is not a part of the sermon. So here we go real quick. I want you to know these real quick. Number one, those kids that stayed connected to the church and to the work of Christ in the world, number one thing they did, they ate with their families five of seven times a week. They ate dinner together. That's interesting, isn't it? Simple as that. They ate dinner. They ate meals together. Number two, they served with their family in a ministry. Uh, get your kids involved with you. Number three, they had one spiritual experience in the home during the week. Just one? But yes, just one. Uh, number four, uh, they, they uh, were entrusted with a responsibility in the home at an early age. They were given stuff to do. And number five, they had at least one faith-focused adult in their life other than their parents. And I love that. And that's why the church uh, is, uh, is just such a powerful place. It is an extended family. The reason my kids and grandkids are better than your kids and grandkids um, is because they were raised in a church with people just like you who poured into their lives and loved on them. So moms, dads, uh, we appreciate you. Mothers, we honor you in a special way today. Now, probably the second most important thing that a mom can do and a dad and a church can do other than telling us that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and we ought to build our life upon him and him alone, probably the second most important thing we can do is to teach our kids about the reliability and the trustworthiness of the Bible, which is God's word. We're in a series here at Orangewood called I Am Thomas. How many of you are, are Thomas? Raise your hand. Are you Thomas? I'm Thomas. I want you to know I'm Thomas. Thomas is, is that disciple who had to see to believe. And, and I, I'm very much the same way. I, 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 you tell me something, I'll say, that's great. I'm going to Google it. Uh, you tell me something that's true, I'm going to double check it because I'm Thomas. I, I, I really, and I love this. And really this idea, can we trust the Bible as the inspired word of God <clears throat> is an absolutely important issue for us students. You younger ones, I want you to walk out of here today with a greater sense that you can trust the Bible. And if, you, if you're with us for the first time and you're not uh, a Christian yet, uh, you, you're, you're thinking, well, I, you want me to follow Jesus but I'm not sure if I can trust the Bible. And isn't it true, everybody, that those go together, those two things. What we learn about Jesus and what's in the Bible are linked hand in hand. In fact, it may very well be that you won't accept Jesus as Savior and Lord until you recognize that the Bible can be trusted. Um, and, and so they go hand in hand, really, uh, because the Bible has so many outrageous comments, particularly about Jesus. You say, what are some of those outrageous comments? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. The, the most outrageous thing that the Bible tells us is, is that there is a God. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, number one, the Bible tells us that there is a God. The Bible never accepts the ridiculousness that something comes from nothing. The Bible doesn't accept this, this idea that all of this just spontaneously happened, that all of the design that we see is not real. No, the Bible just can't stand that. Uh, the philosopher Voltaire once said, those who can get you to believe absurdities can get you to commit atrocities. And that is absolutely true. 
Um, and what, we, what you did, what, what we did on Saturday, I wasn't walking. I was kind of reviewing for this. But what you did for choices is proof that you don't accept the absurdity that life doesn't matter. But the Bible, the first outrageous thing, the Bible teaches that there is a God. And the Bible is unapologetic about that. Number two, the most outrageous thing that the Bible teaches that follows right on that is that we were created perfect in the image of God and that we were in a relationship with the God of the universe before we fell from that high status and high position. Uh, and, 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 that, and that those first parents of ours chose to rebel against God. How could they do that? R.C. Sproul once said that the biggest issue in theology is why did Adam and Eve eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Why did they do it? Why did they do it? Uh, that's, that's a but nevertheless, Adam's rebellion turned into our rebellion. And so that even these precious little ones, like we just saw on the screen in back of me, they are born rebels. Would you all agree with that? Those of you who have had kids, would you agree with that? Yes. I see that hand. I see that hand. My kids are better than your kids. I've said that. But they're, uh, they're totally depraved little Philistines who needed Jesus at an early age. I want you to know. And so, the, and so it's, it's absolutely outrageous. The Bible teaches that Adam's rebellion became our rebellion. And, 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 and that the reality is, is that to get right into a relationship with God, we needed someone to get us there that we couldn't do it ourselves. Here's another outrageous thing. The Bible says against all other kinds of religions out there, every other religion out there, that the way to get right with God, a righteous God, is not by being righteous ourselves. How about that, sports fans? And that the way to get right with a righteous God is through putting faith in the one who came and walked among us and took our place on the cross and became the righteousness of God for us. Now, is that outrageous? Yes. And that the way we get into an eternal relationship with the God of the universe is putting faith in Jesus Christ who does that. And so I got to share with you a text of scripture that many of you know, Romans chapter 10 uh, teaches us a powerful truth that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Here it is. For with the heart one believes and is justified, declares not, declared not guilty, and with the heart one believes is justified, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So it really is all about, that's outrageous, isn't it? That the good, the bad news is we're all sinners. The good news is that Jesus was righteous for us and that we have to put our faith and trust in him. But where? Here's the question. Where do we hear about the work of Christ? Well, it's found in the verse that follows us up. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And where do we hear that? We hear that in God's holy word, the Bible. And so the reality is for all of us, as outrageous as Christianity is, based solely on Jesus Christ, we go back to the scriptures. Can we trust the scriptures? Are they reliable? Do they give us true truth, as Francis Schaeffer used to talk about? Or do they just give us man's ideas? Well, I have a scripture, and some of you are wondering, is he ever going to read the Bible? Yeah, we're going to do that. 
Would you stand with me right now as we read from uh, 2 Peter chapter 1? And the reason we stand to read the scriptures is because the church of Jesus Christ recognizes that the Bible is revealed from God. We stand humbly in the presence of God to receive his word to us. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember those words. Drop down to verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of the truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. This is God's holy word. Thank be to God. You may be seated. Well, so can we trust the Bible? Yes, we can trust the Bible. And I want to give you two reasons from this text why we can trust the Bible. Is this enough time? I mean, you've got Mother's Day events today, don't you? I'll have you out of here by two so you can get to those <laughs> events. But I want you to know that there is so much packed in here and this subject is so big that we simply can't address all of the issues around why the Bible is trustworthy, how reliable the Bible really is. But I want to give you two from this text today. And really, it boils down to, first of all, understanding that this text teaches that we can trust the Bible because of the ultimate reliability of the ultimate author of the Bible, who is God. And that's what Peter is teaching us in this text. Notice how he started out by calling himself a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, don't we all love Peter? Peter is, uh, you just love Peter. I mean, you, you gotta love Peter because he messes up like we mess up. He is a ready, ready, fire, aim type person. You know, Peter's philosophy is, I may not always be right, but I'm never uncertain. <laughs> and uh, so Peter was, Peter was that guy. Uh, and he's, he, we see him here now a lot more humble at this point in his life. 
Because even though his name is Simon, that was his given name, and his nickname given by Jesus was what? Rocky, Rock, the Rock. Was Peter always, was Peter always rock solid? No. Can we talk? When Jesus was arrested, uh, what did he do? He caved in and he showed what a non-rock person he is. He caved in. And, uh, but and nevertheless, in this text, we see his identity as a servant and as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Amazing, isn't it? That at this point, after the resurrection, Jesus became a radically transformed person. Uh, and, and Peter, excuse me, Peter became a radically transformed person. And the reality is he sees himself as a servant the doulos, you know, from the Old Testament, who takes his, his earlobe and says, I've been serving you, I've been your slave, but I want to continue to be your servant, even though you're setting me free. Peter uh, was that doulos, said, I, I want to be a servant of Christ forever, an apostle. And an apostle is someone who goes out in the authority of someone else, but catch this, because it's really important. An apostle goes out in the message of someone else. So when an apostle shows up and speaks, an apostle of Jesus Christ speaks, whose message is he given? His own message? No, he's given the message of Jesus. How did that happen for Peter? Well, he saw the resurrected Christ and he knew who he was. And notice in verse 1-1, it says uh, that he's a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to all of us who have obtained the same kind of faith uh, with, by standing by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you see that? Now let's do a little grammar. Are you ready for grammar? You like grammar? I never learned English grammar until I went to seminary. <laughs> I said, whoa, I've got to learn Greek. But first, I've got to learn English. It was tough. Here's a little grammar, Greek grammar. When you look at that line, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The original Greek actually has it put this way, by the righteousness of our, the, God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The, the definite article, the, is put in there. You say, what's the big deal? The big deal is we don't speak that way in English. So the, uh, our translators take the the out because we don't speak that way. But when there are two nouns together like this, the grammar demands that the people, the, the one person being talked about is grouped together. So here, Peter calls Jesus our God and our Savior. And it's important to understand that the disciples knew this. Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father and it'll be enough for us. What does Jesus say? Have I been so long with you and you have not Seen me? He who has seen me has, what? Seen the Father. And how crucial it is to understand that an apostle, these apostles went out because they were giving the message of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice also that he says in verse 20, no prophecy of scripture ever comes from someone's own interpretation, but men spoke from God under the power of the Holy Spirit. And when Peter says that here, he's saying that about all of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. He, the early church accepted the words of the apostles as the very word of God. And it's important to understand that as we think of, can the Bible be trusted? 
and what it has to say? The answer is yes, because the Holy Spirit is the one. The Bible claims the Holy Spirit is the one who has given the very words of God to human authors and superintended them so that what they gave us is, in fact, the word of God. And that's why maybe the more common text that you know is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Uh, some of you have this memorized. You get three free sins if you have this memorized. All scripture is what? Inspired of God. That means it's breathed out from God and it's profitable for several things. For teaching, for reproving. Teaching is, this is how you live. Reproving is, this is how you got it messed up. Correction is, this is how you get right again, how you get back on the path. And for training in righteousness that the man of God, and by the way, uh, this this word man is the Greek word anthropos, which means woman too, mankind, male and female. That the man or woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And so the reality is that the Bible, can, can we trust the Bible? Yes, because the ultimate author is God himself. That's what the Bible claims. And, and it's backed up. Uh, uh, and, and I want you to understand how important it is that you grasp that what God wants to do through the word of God in your life is not mess you up, but to build you into a great woman of God, a great man of God. It's there to equip and train. Forge, the ministry I serve, uh, we talk about how God is about building great men as God defines greatness. What does the gospel do? It builds great men and women. Greatness. He's not here to mess up your life. He's here to equip you and train you. And the word of God rings of truth and is always of truth. What about the Old Testament? Well, one other passage, Luke 24, verse 44, powerful text where Jesus says this. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Okay, let's get honest. Do you ever question some of the things in the Old Testament? You ever read the Old Testament and say, really? A nine foot nine guy by the name of Goliath was taken down by a teenager with a rock? Is that possible? Did that really happen? It really happened. By the way, you should see my grandson with a sling. Watch out. Um, they work. There are things in the Old Testament I struggle with, and yet when I come to Jesus who rose from the dead, and I look at what he says about the Old Testament, I realize that Jesus, the one risen from the dead, the only one risen from the dead uh, by the God of the universe says, the Old Testament can be trusted. Can you trust the Bible? Can you trust the whole Bible? Yes, you can. Genesis to Revelation, can you build your life on it? Yes, you can. Why? Because of the reliability of the ultimate author of the Bible, who is God himself. But then, quickly, you can trust the reliability of the Bible because of the human authors, the reliability of the human authors. I love this. Uh, Peter says in 2 Peter 1.16, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were, what? Eyewitnesses 
of his majesty. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. John put it this way. We beheld his glory. Glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. The human authors of the Bible were eyewitnesses. They were there. They saw this. They saw Jesus. They touched him. They knew he was real. We did not follow cleverly devised myths. When we made known to you, Peter says, the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses. And, what, and, and then he talks about the transfiguration. They were there when they saw Jesus really transformed. These are fishermen. These are not myth writers. These are real thinkers like you and I living in the real world. And they saw Jesus so much so that Peter says, hey, this is a great place to be. Let's stay here. Let's, uh, let's build some houses and stay on this mountain forever. Wouldn't it be great? Jesus says, I don't know what he said exactly. But Peter, as usual, said something too soon. But they saw the glory of Christ through him right there. Why did they trust him? Because they saw his glory. John, 1 John 1, 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, what we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we looked upon, what we touched with our hands handled concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have heard and we have seen the eternal life which was with the Father and has been given to us. We can trust the Bible because of the ultimate author God and because of the human authors who were eyewitnesses of all of this. They were there and they saw a dead man get up and walk. They saw his miracles. Now, is there more to say? Yes, but it's Mother's Day, and I really am not going to keep you here long. I'm not that crazy. I'm going to let you go here in just a minute. But, but is there more to say about the trustworthiness and the reliability of the Bible? Of course there is. I am, I am Thomas. I, the, the number one number of books on my shelves in my study at home are on the reliability and the historicity of the Bible. It mattered to me that I, that I knew it was true before I was even a pastor. I wanted to make sure it was true so I could live it. Then I could talk about it. But if it wasn't true, I wasn't going to live it, nor was I going to follow it. But it is true. The Bible is true. The Bible was faithfully copied and transmitted. Tons to say on that. You can trust the Bible that we have. Uh, the Bible conveys accurate history and archaeology. Read Eric Metaxas' latest book. It's this big. It'll take you months to get through it, but it's worth it. Archaeology has never, never disproven the Bible. The Bible always supports archaeology as it is uncovered. Uh, the harmony of the Bible. 35 authors written over 1,500 years has a unity from Genesis to Revelation that only God could put together. It's absolutely amazing. The lives of transformed people. Um, well, what do we do? In light of all this, and these are only two reasons with those other reasons that we need to study more. What do we do? Well, Peter puts it this way in verse 19. He says, we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which, listen to how Peter puts this. This does not sound like Peter to me. Well, it sounds like the Peter 
who's been walking with Jesus for a lot of years. It doesn't sound like the Peter of yesteryear. Look what he says. You would do well to pay attention to the Bible as a lamp shining in the darkness. You would do, when did Peter ever say, you would do well? He would say, if you don't listen to the word of God, you're going to hell probably tomorrow. That's Peter. No, as an older, wiser man, he says, we would do well to focus on the word of God. And then in 2 Peter 2, uh, two one through 3, he says, realize there are going to be so many false teachers. There's going to be so many liars out there that unless we know the truth, we will never be able to detect the lies. So we would do well to focus on the word of God because we are in a war. With the abortion issue raging today, isn't this timely? Isn't this absolutely amazing to have a high view of Scripture? Because it helps us to understand how to live in the here and the now. I got, somebody sent me uh, on my Facebook. That's all I do. I don't do all the other stuff. I could barely keep up with Facebook. But some of the posts that Christians posted about the abortion issue made me want to reach out and grab them by the throat in Jesus' name <laughs> and say, have you not read the scriptures? Here's the challenge. Um, I read Proverbs and look how it ends. I know you're thinking, ladies, the Proverbs 31 woman. No. No, the, the Proverbs 31 king, here you go. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle his mother taught him. I love it. Moms, are you important? You bet you are. Grandmas, spiritual mothers, are you important? Keep teaching the word of God. You don't know what your kids are gonna become. They might become kings someday. And they need the word of God. Students, Read the word of God. Memorize large portions of the word of God. A word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Memorize it. Give the energy to it. It's never too late. Those of us who are older, start memorizing. Because then when you have it, you'll be able to use it when you, when you need it. Let me just end with these uh, great quotes. John Mason said this. If a thousand people say something foolish, it is still foolish. Truth is never dependent upon a consensus of opinion. We need the word of God in our hearts and our minds because it leads us to Jesus. It leads us to follow him day in, day out, no matter where we are. Chuck Swindoll put it this way, a man whose Bible is falling apart on the outside is not falling apart on the inside. I need Jesus every hour, don't you? I, but as I was singing that this morning with you, I thought, I need him more than just on the hour. How about second by second? I need him all the time. Kevin DeYoung, one of the shining lights of our denomination, like our pastor is one of the shining lights of our denomination. Kevin DeYoung said this, the most effective means for bolstering our confidence in the Bible is to spend time in 
the Bible. Because it is truth. It has the ring of truth. And as it says in the Gospel of John, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's bow our heads and our hearts in prayer. Our great God, what a joy it is to know that we can trust the Bible because it is from you and from eyewitnesses. And it tells us perfectly and accurately about Jesus. And so, Father, this morning as we come into your presence, as we worship, as we celebrate our mothers these days, as we, as we celebrate the reality that we live even in a broken world who desperately needs the truth, we pray that you would energize us by your spirit, that we would be full of your truth, that we could be used to help set others who we love free and to bring them into the family to know about our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray right now. Amen.